Hey, I'm Allison Hare, a former corporate executive on a quest to help you and me create a little more space and freedom in our busy lives. Welcome to the Late Learner Podcast, where we break down old, tired paradigms. You know, the ones that we are all taught to live in. And here, we discover more modern approaches that just plain work better for you. So what are we late learning today? Well, it's February and Valentine's Day can shove a lot of expectations around your romantic partnerships. You should have sex at least four times a week. You should be equal partners. You need to care for the kids and let your husband take care of the career stuff. Well, that one makes me bristle, you know, and often I believe that we can feel a sense of shame if you aren't a picture perfect couple, especially in public, and you're not sure how to navigate it. You might be in a place right now where it's gotten really tense at home. Maybe you're considering a divorce. Maybe you're just grasping at straws trying to figure out where you're going to land with so many pieces to consider. Maybe you are divorced and are trying to navigate a new partner and the former partner, and there may be some acrimony there. So if you're in this spot or you know that there are some people that are in a tough season with their partner, or you're just super open and interested in this stuff, will you text them this episode right now? It could truly make all the difference because today we are going to talk through some relationship secrets that are not obvious at all and work like magic. And it's not like the normal run of the mill and kind of questionable advice we grew up on, like never go to bed mad nonsense, you know, relationships are something I've had an intense focus on my entire life. I come from a divorced family and one where there was so much fallout, especially emotionally. We weren't a family that would openly talk about, here's what's happening, here's what's going on, here's why it is. It would just fall apart. So it's been something I've devoted a lot of time to understand and to research and to experiment of what could a more open, more loving, more solid foundation look like in relationships. And one of the ideas that might be controversial, but, or I don't know if it's controversial, or maybe you might experience some pushback based on, you know, kind of how you were raised or how you even live your life. There's no judgment here, right? But it has a lot of data to support this is that the primary focus on the lifestyle that you lead should be on the home life over the career. Now, many people, myself included, thought, well, the career is what I can control. Like I can work harder, I can earn whatever money, I can get the accolades. It's far more predictable than a partnership, right? With somebody who's completely different with you. And then you throw in kids who also are completely different and kind of managing all of that. Like the, the career seems a little more linear than the home life. 
But all of the data is showing that it's really, really important to focus on the home life and what does it look like to have a rock solid home life, you know? And when I was truly growing up and before I met my my husband, I was thinking, well, let me get my career in order and let me focus and then I'll focus on finding the right partner. And you'll see, <laughs> like, I- I'm hoping that like, let me just have the least amount of baggage. Let me try and make myself appealing enough so I can attract somebody, which I mean, you can, you know, you can kind of make your own assumptions about that. But one of the things that I am the most proud of is my husband's and my relationship. We have been together for 15 years. We've been happily married for almost 12 years. But keep in mind, I am really precious about my marriage. I don't talk about it a lot because it really annoys me when I see people on the internet, influencers, whatever, flaunting their relationship as a marketing tool for their business. This is not going to be that. But when I hear about you, people in my circle, people that comment like that they are struggling, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, there are some really fundamental things that can really change the trajectory of not only their current relationships, but the ones they have going forward. And I thought, I will need to share this. I I had learned some of these profound lessons about the kind of relationships that I wanted way before we even met, because it was something I was so deeply invested and interested in because my parents did not have that experience. It was a mess. It was a mess. And there was just so much fallout. There was seven children. It just was a lot. And I did not want to repeat that. And all of the the things that I have found challenge conventional wisdom. None of them are obvious and all of them work way better than some of the outdated stuff we've been taught. And that is what I'm bringing to you today. But before we jump in and get all nice and cozy and romantic, let's get to the good stuff. What is stuff? It's the surprisingly true, useful, fun fact. This one is so fun. Have you heard of cringe culture? Cringe culture. Well, apparently single people say that embracing nerdy habits is hot. That's hot. In fact, 63% say it can help you find the one if you believe in that sort of thing. Almost half of people consider themselves more cringe than cool. And 74% of singles polled find it attractive when their date shares what they nerd out about. And I totally agree with this. I'm also married to a nerd. So I'm curious, what is your weird? What would you nerd out about? All right, let's get your relationships on the right track. Fun fact, my husband and I did not start off too well. I dumped him two weeks after we met. You want to know why? He was way too nice. I was not used to that nonsense. (laughs) That was so stupid. But don't worry, I came to my senses a few months later. And honestly, true to the name of this podcast, I am a late learner. I married him at 37 years old. 
And before him, I made a lot of poor choices in my dating life. I was the quintessential single girl for five years. And what that looked like was endless online dates. Some were exhausting, some were exhilarating and hopeful, and some were hilarious, not like on the date, but like between my girlfriends afterwards, like, whoa. And some guys who were amazing, but they just weren't right for me. And some guys that were just downright toxic and bad for me. And maybe this is a little too personal. I'm just going to share it anyway, but I would always preemptively dump guys when I thought they weren't into me. But because I dumped them, I would end up so painfully sad and broken about it. Not because of the guy, but because of time ticking on and not feeling like I was captivating enough. Like, why aren't these good enough guys fighting for me? Why weren't they beating down my door? I guess you can see all the seeds of unworthiness. And I share this because I genuinely feel that that undercurrent of unworthiness shows up in probably you and me. I want to paint the picture of that undercurrent of unworthiness shows up in a lot of patterns that are covered up by overperformance, overfunctioning, overconfidence. So I'm not going to dig too deep into that today maybe in a future episode, but if you relate, let's please put a pin in that because a lot of times when you are overproving yourself, usually there are some seeds of unworthiness of of where it comes from. But marrying Chris, I was 34 when I met my husband. Marrying Chris was by far the greatest decision of my life. And our wedding was the happiest day of my life, but it is not without work. And I know you know this, relationships can be tricky, but I'm going to teach you the five non-obvious practices that have been the backbone of our strong relationship. And I will say that if you are living in a state or when you're living in a state where you don't even feel safe or seen or valued or heard in your own home, It's really tough to make bold choices if your foundation is rocked until you get on better footing. So let's get you there. Okay, number one, success in a relationship is not measured by how well you get along. It's measured by how well you fight. I'm going to say that again. A relationship success is not measured by how well you get along. It's measured by how well you fight. I learned this really early on when I was dating my now husband. I come from a divorced family. My husband does not. You know, his parents were married till the day they died. And early in the relationship when we would fight, Chris, my boyfriend, at the time my boyfriend, my instinct was like, fuck it, I'm out of here. I quit, that's it. I'm done. I don't need this. And he would look at me like, what? Why are you? No, we'd talk through it. His natural thought is like, no, we work through this. And me, I was like a runner. And so it was interesting how we kind of evolved like the fighting part. And I remember a a few years ago, I would just be picking at my husband. And it's not like this happened 
a bunch of years ago. This happens a lot where I'm just picking at him. I'm just in a mood and I'm just kind of laying into him. And I remember he, like, he's way more even than I am. I'm obviously more emotional. I mean, spend five minutes with me and you get it. But like, he's generally more even. And I was just picking and picking. And he's like, Allison, he's like, is this because you're from New Jersey or are you actually mad at me? (laughs) And I remember it just completely diffused the issue. But at the same time, I was grateful that he asked a question or a smart question instead of like escalating with anger, where I think that I am quick to anger, you know, like I'm zero to angry far more than I'm ever sad. I go right to anger where he's a little more even, but I do think we've made a practice of of hearing each other out, even if we completely and vehemently disagree and figure out like, all right, can we put ourselves in the other's shoes? What does that look like? Can you help me understand? It makes a big difference of how well you fight and how well you go through it. So success in a relationship is not measured by how well you get along. It's measured by how well you fight. Number two, the happiest relationships are the ones that have positive illusions about each other. This one is my favorite. And by the way, this is, there is data backing all of this up. What, and I learned this a long, long time ago. I remember it was like in an article in psychology today. Uh, I'll even link it in the show notes. What is a positive illusion? Well, have you heard of the phrase positive intent? Essentially assuming the best. The same thing goes for a positive illusion. It's purposely using generously kind words to describe each other. So let me give you an example. My wife loves to explore and try new things, is far kinder than my wife never finishes anything she starts. Like it's better to say, my wife loves to explore and try new things. It's probably something my husband say about me. Instead of my wife, she, you know, gets started with something else. She never finishes positive illusions or saying, I love that my husband is strong and determined. He's got a lot of conviction is a much higher regard than my husband is such a jerk to everybody else. Hey, it's Allison. Thanks for listening. Did you know that the ideas shared in this episode are something I can help you implement in your own life? You can accelerate the outcomes you truly desire when you have someone pulling up a chair right next to you and saying, let's do this together. Let's put a strategy and a framework and an execution plan together and let's get it done. Schedule a free exploratory call with me at allisonhair.com forward slash schedule. So having positive illusions about each other goes a long way. So think about how can you maybe shift some of the language that you use that is generously kind about each other and see how that works. Number three, always put your partner's needs before your own. All right, calm down. This, let me explain this one. This is not some weird, submissive, patriarchal ideology, handmaid's tale crap. What this means, always put your partner's needs before your own. When you do things for your partner, 
not out of obligation or fear, but out of the pure joy of knowing that it makes them happy, it leaves room for unconditional love. Let me give you an example and the flip side. So my husband and my kids, they love to have movie nights and they like, like things that blow up in sci-fi. And usually I'm upstairs, like, I don't, I don't really love like action movies and all of that, but they love these movie nights. And in these movie nights, they have popcorn and there's kernels everywhere strewn about our couch. They're empty, honest juice boxes. They're empty glasses. They have the best time. They're wrappers to stuff and they go to bed. They don't clean any of it up. In the morning, I always wake up earlier than everybody and I go through and kind of clean it. I'm very, I even put like, again, that positive intent of like how happy that those evenings make them and how much they cherish them. And I would clean it all up and I would make sure that the kitchen is clean because my husband loves to make breakfast so that he has a full clean kitchen to look up to. He does not expect that of me. I just know that it makes him happy not to to just go and cook and and his love language is acts of service and and that is kind of how he shows love. And so that is kind of an example of putting a partner's needs before your own. Now, the flip side of this is expectation and expectations leave no room for unconditional love, but only an opportunity to meet a baseline. So an example of this, if if you walk by a pile of dishes in the sink and you're like, well, that's my partner's job. I'm not touching that. That and, And if they don't do it, like if, if they don't meet whatever that expectation is, all of a sudden they're being dinged because they didn't do it. So again, that's like the baseline and it leaves no room for unconditional love. And then it becomes more like a contractual agreement. This is what he's supposed to do. This is what she's supposed to do. If they fall short of that, then you're pissed. And then this one is actually not so easy Uh, to do naturally, but it works beautifully when both partners actively pursue this as a practice in the relationship. Now, if you have a partner that isn't really into that kind of stuff, not really open to it, it may be time to get some professional help to kind of figure out how do you figure out how do you meet on common ground. But I'm telling you, this works absolutely beautifully when you start to kind of put deposits in the bank, let's say, of just doing things for the sake of it making the other person happy, but again, not out of obligation or fear. Always put your partner's needs before your own. Number four, never trash talk your partner in public. I would die if I knew my husband was talking disparagingly about me. And certainly there are times when things can get tough and you really, really need to talk about it openly with somebody that you trust to safely process, whether it's somebody professional or somebody else. But I'll tell you, sadly, I have been in way too many open conversations. You know, I've worked in 
companies where it has been male dominated. I've been very often the only woman where guys will just talk openly about, I've, I've heard some men say, talk about their wife, you know, well, she just sits around and does nothing all day is an example, even though they personally made the decision that they didn't want their wife to work so they could be home to raise the family, but would talk about her like that. And I would die. I would die. And so it really is important to speak in a high regard in public. It just makes you look like an asshole. And it's so embarrassing and just disrespectful. I feel feel heartbroken for the partner when I hear people talk about the person that they are the closest to in life and talking about them that way. Whether or not there's venom behind it, I don't know, but I think it's really important. And then number five is sarcasm. Sarcasm. This one is hard for me because I'm a born and bred Jersey girl where sarcasm is genuinely a love language. Around my family, people from the North, like when I'm around the North with friends and my siblings, there's nothing but insults and that is our love language. And in the South, I'm in Atlanta, I've got to watch it as I come off as a real a-hole. But with my husband, I think I used to use sarcasm. He's from the South, so he didn't really understand it. It didn't come naturally to him. And he would just be confused, you know? And it just, I, I started to realize that it doesn't feel nurturing or expansive. So I make a point not to use sarcasm when it comes to the relationship between me and my husband. So those are the top five. Let's review them really quick. Number one, success in a relationship is not measured by how well you get along. It's measured by how well you fight, how well you get through and process things that are important to each of you. Number two, the happiest relationships are the ones that have positive illusions about each other. This one is truly my favorite. Number three, always put your partner's needs before your own. Uh, how can you do things? How can you open the space for unconditional love by doing things out of the pure joy of making the other partner happy? Um, number four, never trash talk your partner in public. And number five, try to avoid sarcasm as you communicate with each other. Now, I'm curious, what do you guys think about this? Do you have others that work really well for you? Would you try these out? So here is my challenge for you. I would challenge you that over the next week, I would love for you to journal. If you have a written journal, if you have a Google Doc, whatever works for you, that every time that you kind of replace some of your existing habits and, you know, methodologies of communication and try this out, especially like the positive illusions and putting their needs before your own or putting their happiness uh, forward, leave room for unconditional love. I would love to hear how your partner responds and how it feels for you. And most importantly, to keep this in mind, I want you to be intentional about your interactions with your partner with the most positive intent. Do it for a week. Watch what happens. Let me know. 
And actually, I want to add one more. I'm not sure what category I would put this in, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things about my relationship with my husband is that I always wake up before him. And whenever he wakes up and he sees me, the very first thing he does when he sees me is that a huge smile spreads across his face and he shoots his arms out of the covers and he opens his arms wide to give me a big hug. And I swear it feels so good. And honestly, I hate to admit this. I often wonder what did I do to deserve this? He's so sweet, flooded with gratitude. So instead I just barrage him with compliments with how good that makes me feel. And keep in mind, my husband gets totally weird about compliments. He's like the opposite of me. He hates being the center of attention. But one thing is for sure, we both feel appreciated and loved and respected by each other. And that is super important for us to keep our home actively loving, not just keep the peace, but intentionally full of active love. And so when things go wrong and we fight, and of course we fight, we've got a strong foundation and a healthy respect. Again, we are not perfect. Of course we are not. And if you are considering making some bold moves in your life, I would do all you can to strengthen the foundation of where you live, even if it's just with yourself, or if you are a single mom, or you have a complex partnership, maybe you have an ex in the picture and a current partner or somebody new, whatever it is. When your home life is in order, everything can be in order. And the way to do this is brick by brick. Now, if you want some support to either enhance, redesign, or just add some more fun and intention in your life, I invite you to schedule a free exploratory call with me. I will tell you and be super honest about this. My sweet spot where I have such a strong heart is for women who are over-functioning, like they are secretly running themselves into the ground, but nobody would know because they are so busy kicking butt right now. And if that is you, I would schedule a free exploratory call with me and let's chat. My clients are kicking butt right now. And it all started with each one saying, you know what? I want more. And we use the proven frameworks I've created that work for me, that work for my clients over and over and over again, that we do it together. Schedule a call at allisonhair.com forward slash schedule. And let's get on with the show. And if you're finding you are running so hard right now, you're ending the weeks kind of depleted and feeling exhausted because you are doing it all. I put together a free, easy worksheet to give you a boost of energy right away. I do this. I love it. My clients use this every day. All you need to do is go to allisonhair.com forward slash energy. All right, you. I am so proud of you for committing this time to focus on some fresh ideas to restore your most important relationships. Be sure to share this episode with your friends. Leave five-star reviews. It helps people find me. And it helps me bring a better show to you and keep spreading the love. 
I'm so grateful to you for listening. And until I drop my next episode, I'll see you on the socials.